0: provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every 1st and 3rd Wednesday of the month at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and registration, visit ProjectSanctus.com Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism, this is With Love and Justice for All, with Reverend Ogun Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 78 of With Love and Justice for All. We are recording on Valentine's Day and the title of this episode is What's Love Got to Do With It? I guess from that title, you can maybe uh, know where we're going with this, but stay tuned. Or rather, but wait, there's more. Uh, you'll find wait, wait, there's I, more. Yeah. There's more. I am Reverend Ogun Holder here with my partner in crime consciousness co-creation, uh, Reverend Kelly. And we are here to have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation. With a special emphasis on the challenges that may arise as spiritual speakers seekers spiritual speakers seekers where that too and in spiritual communities how are you doing today reverend Kelly? on such an auspicious day it's valentine's day i know it's
1: national singles awareness day <laughs> that too i'm looking forward to our conversation to uh kind of stir the sediment and uh Yeah, challenge some ways of thinking and being and doing as always, as
0: we as we do, as we do. And as you listeners are apparently grateful for because you are listening all over the place. Uh, most of the U.S. is listening. Thank you in all the states you're listening and folks around the world are listening. Places in like El Salvador, Canada, India, Norway, Chile, here where I am in my home country of Barbados. So grateful for all of you. Uh, we're crawling towards 3000 downloads. Uh, so thank you for that. And we may hit that uh, before we go on break. We got about two more episodes before we take um, another break. Um, and we have a special guest for our last episode coming up. You're going to want to tune into uh, Dr. Joel Brown. will be here to talk about, among other things, his new book coming out, The, S- the Soul of... What is it again? The Soul The
1: Souls of, of Queer Folk, of How queer Understanding folk. LGBTQ Plus Culture Can Transform Your Leadership Practice. Awesome. Very much
0: looking forward to that, Joel. So it, just of-
1: so we're clear, it's yeah. for everyone. It's not- for
0: everyone, right. Yeah. Yes, it's what we... <clears throat> Can learn from the queer yes. community, so yes, yes you're gonna want to tune in uh, to listen listen to that. Um, Joel's been a guest here before, longtime friend of mine. Very excited to have him back on the show. And if you missed our last couple episodes, please go listen. Um, we had the author Carrie Kelly of American Detox: The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. It was our last 846 book club uh, book study and. We, re- we did an interview with her, and then we did a bonus episode, which we had her come visit our book club, and if you're hearing noise in the background, I apologize. I'm recording on top of a basically a commercial bakery, and <laughs> apparently banging pots <clears throat> is an integral part of the baking process, so I apologize for that up front. Uh, <laughs> If you'd like to join in on this conversation, um, you can watch us live as we record um, almost every Tuesday and Friday, mostly around uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. You can, on we live stream it on Facebook. You can jump in the comment threads there as we're recording, or you can hit us up later um, on Facebook and on Instagram at any time. We're going get our holy on. You can call or leave a message on a voicemail, 413-438-4659 or 413, get holy. Um, We got some save the dates coming up that are very important that you mark in your calendar. What do we got coming up, Kelly? Uh,
1: A few things we have. uh, And within the next 24 hours, each of these items will have a link to register on the website. Uh, So the first one, though, is uh, our conscious anti-racism three-part series workshop. And so we're it's It's, you know, with each part, part one, part two, part three, we go a little bit deeper into um, working toward liberation, uh, looking at how we've internalized uh, supremacy how we've internalized uh, dominant culture. um, You know, internal oppression, and, uh, and how we grapple with our own identities we will do some affinity group um, experience so that. because that's really where a good chunk of our powerful work goes on as w- for white bodies um and then you know culture building practices healing practices so that we build our um you know collective care you, you know uh, we really embody um racial literacy humility anti-racism practices and consciousness to for collective care not just individual care but collective care we oh, are okay. also can I can I jump in real quick and say
0: I'm really excited about this conscious anti-racism uh this workshop we have coming up because we're this is we're 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 beginning to roll out this like curriculum thing that we have been developing. And there's going to be different stages of it. And this is like the first part of it. Um so I'm very, I'm very excited about about yep. this. And we'll be offering this like on a rotating basis and each time we roll out a new part of the conscious anti-racism series uh it's going to take us deeper and deeper so so i'm excited i'm excited
1: me too and it's because we know it's lifelong work so it's even if you've attended something that we've done with that name it's never the same there's always more to learn and we're never done not certainly not as a white body because we're also learning Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, the other item to uh, mark your calendar is we are taking the book, do the work, uh, and there. If you're watching on the Facebook, there's the picture of it. It's by uh, W. Kamau Bell and Kate Schatz, and it's an anti-racism. Um, activity book, like really activities, like all kinds of activities. But what we're doing with it is we're starting uh, like for a year and once a month on the first Saturday of the month from 10 to 1130 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, we're just going to come together for 90 minutes and you know we're going to map out the book, but we're going to talk about the activities that we're doing and what we're learning and being together. And it's just a really... It's not so much a book to sit down and read all this stuff. It really is an activity book. So starting April 4th, the first Saturday of the month, you know, I just realized, I don't think I gave the dates for the Conscious Anti-Racism. Anyway, it's March 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's a three-part series from 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern. That's the Conscious Anti-Racism one. Finally, we've chosen a new book for our 846 Book Club. That is going to be six Tuesdays starting March 21st. So March 21st through April 25th, 7.30 to 9.30 PM. And our new book I'm very excited about, because it's a fabulous book, is called Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. Yeah. And it really is about um, how we can awaken within ourselves the desires um, that make it impossible to settle for anything less than a fulfilling life. So there is this wide range of topics from sex work to climate change, race, gender, drugs, you know, just creating new narratives around the politics of um, feeling good. Um, And it's, it is about dismantling patriarchy and there's nothing wrong with pleasure and joy and meaning.
0: Speaking of pleasure and joy, it is Valentine's Day. It is National Singles Awareness Day, as you pointed out. And, uh, you know, there's also a going... (laughs) There's also a growing push to uh, rename this um, or or have an emphasis on this also being a self pleasure day. I think there is already a national masturbation day already. Oh, excellent! I think there is. I'll look that up as okay. I as we or I'll let you look it up as I talk. But yeah, um, but there's 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 a growing emphasis around that because um, Valentine's Day is an interesting day for a lot of reasons. And, and we're gonna, we're gonna you know, deconstruct some of those reasons here and maybe even go into like, maybe what, what we can do better around this day. Um, but one of the things, two of the things we're mostly gonna focus on uh, around Valentine's Day is um, the capitalism aspect of it and also the mononormative aspect of it um, as well. And I wanna start with the, the
1: mononormative aspect. But before nope. you do that, can before I just you. add the the info around National Masturbation Day?
0: Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah.
1: Yeah yeah. Because it's said. it's bigger than I thought. What so is National. Every well, is it every day? Well, it should be frankly. <laughs> um, kind of and I don't life need life. and I don't need it anybody to put it on a calendar to celebrate, right? Um, every but, day. So it's twice a day. <laughs> All
0: right, I'm done now.
1: <laughs> or like your prescription, take as needed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So first National Masturbation Day was May 7th, 1995. And it, however, it has expanded to, it then expanded to International Masturbation Day. Yes. And now it has has, um, evolved into International Masturbation Month. Oh. So the entire month of May. May,
0: May's Masturbation Month. Okay. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I mean, every month,
0: but yes. Yeah, sort of like Black History Month. Celebrate every day. (laughs) Yeah, every day's. You said it. I didn't. Yes. Every day's. Yeah. You know. Um, Listen. uh, Again, that's not what we're here to talk about. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll be. Yeah, we'll be. We're taking a break. Like I said, in a couple episodes, Uh, we'll be back. May we'll have to do an episode around around uh, sexual health, masturbation being one of those things. Right. And because um yeah, there's there sexual justice is is a is is a big topic and mm-hmm. part of that is removing a lot of the stigma around self pleasure because that's still a thing for a lot of people. All right.
1: Well it's 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 a self sovereignty thing. It is. It's a it's a guess. bodily sovereignty.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, so it's not directly unrelated to what we're talking about today, but, but yes, today being Valentine's day, there is this emphasis on, you know, I think I, ideally the the message is less celebrate the person you love in your life the most, your, your romantic partner. Um, so that's kind of, you know, the idea behind it. However, you know, any good thing that gets corrupted by capitalism and, patriarchy it's 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 a whole other thing right now and arguably causing more harm than good i'm not saying we should get rid of valentine's day maybe we should maybe we shouldn't that's not the argument i'm making here what i'm saying is maybe we need to take a look at the role valentine's day is playing the harm it's causing and then do better yes is all i'm saying uh, around that so let's talk about um, what do you want to do first, cap- capitalism or the patriarchy? I mean, they're not unrelated, but.
1: Um, well, I just, I, you know, as I, like I joke, I call it National Singles Awareness Day. So I kind of want to go towards the, the patriarchy. So let's, yeah, let's go the patriarchy,
0: heteronormative, uh, sorry. And, yeah. well, a little bit of that, too, but also the mononormative aspect of it because the idea is so much emphasis, not just wrong Valentine's Day, but especially wrong Valentine's Day, is this idea you and your significant other are celebrating. Yeah. And the emphasis is also often on this is going to be like both a monogamous parent and a fairly heteronormative parent. And it's basically the man's responsibility to show the goods, the love goods flowers, chocolate, dinner reservation, all that stuff uh on valentines yeah. on valentines day. So that's that's the that's the quote unquote normal I mean no there's no such thing, but the the heteronormative and mononormative and when I say mononormative, I mean monogamy based emphasis that valentines day has carried with it, you know, in my collective modern memory. Um and that has a well, lot of problems with it.
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, and the reason I wanted to go down this road first is because when I, when I hear, um, you know, Valentine's Day, and and for years, I've been calling it National Signals Awareness Day, because there's always been this stigma. And there's always been this message that if I don't have, at least with women, I was telling you this the other day, from the time you're little, like like you're four and five years old, taking your pillowcase, putting it over your head and that's your veil walking down the aisle, you know, and looking for the man, you know, I mean, I can remember that being really little, that um, that's what the goal was, was to have this wedding and there's a guy and he's gonna make everything good. and um, and and give you presents on valentine's day and your birthday and christmas yeah. somehow i missed all those men that were talking i'm not sure uh what happened with that but yeah. um I used but to see that man <laughs> that's another story it, right but there's this there's so this this normative, quote-unquote normative right the what we've been socialized into is and this is going to feed into the capitalism thing but that that i and, and this goes on with any group of women I was ever a part of, whether I was five years old or 15 or 25, that especially if I was with women that were married or had a partner, um, at, all the energy was like, oh, we'll find you someone. I'm like, well, am I not okay without someone?
0: <laughs> right. The implied message is if you are not booed up, especially on Valentine's Day there's yeah. something wrong something wrong with you there's a problem that needs to be fixed because that's well, not normal
1: well and and uh you know spending your lifetime however old you are you know with the greeting cards and movies and parents and friends and books and you know podcasts and songs and you know everything that 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 specific kind of romantic love would come to you naturally oh yeah yeah. so if it wasn't coming to you quote unquote naturally um there's something you know You're not and if it does come I'm not right. I'm not doing something right and if and when it does come naturally then yeah. ah my life is complete my work here is done
0: yes that is that is the goal it's
1: total crap the, it is <laughs>
0: it is but that's what monogamy culture tells us and yeah. and patriarchy culture tells us that the goal is to marry. The goal is to be in a long term monogamous relationship. And if we're not, then we're doing something wrong. Now, to be clear, there's nothing wrong with being in a long term monogamous relationship. I'm not slamming right. monogamy. That's not what this is. However, it's not the only option. And right. There's nothing wrong with you if that's not what you want. There's also nothing wrong with you if that's what you want and you're not in that situation right now. And it's really a hard day for people who want to be in a romantic relationship and are not when Valentine's Day rolls around. It's also hard for a lot of people because the time that people get broken up with the most is between New Year's and Valentine's. Right? because you can't you can't first there's cuffing season in the fall you wear a cuffing season right um, yeah. when you know it starts to cool off and people want the the bodily warmth of other people so we got to find somebody to cuddle up with during winter and then the holidays hit and it's like well okay that was clearly the wrong reason to get in a relationship with somebody so i got to break it with them i can't do it during the holidays and new years that's not i'm not a monster but I can't right, let right. this run. As, right. I can't let this run as far as Valentine's Day, because then they're going to think we're serious. So, right. so there's there's that window between New Year's and Valentine's. So they're leading up to Valentine's Day. There are a lot of broken hearts um, as well. So, so my heart goes out to those sitting nursing broken hearts right now. Um, but the other two, not the other two, but the other viable options um, from that monogamy experience is. Being happy and single, there's that's a viable option too, right? Or yep. being happy and being non-monogamous, as in right. having multiple multiple partners, um, that's a viable option too as well. But that's not the option that we uh, hear about a lot, that is promoted a lot, that is validated a lot. And in fact, the stigma around being Ethically non-monogamous. I should always remember to add that ethically or consensually non-monogamous. And uh, those of you listening have heard me talk about this a lot recently and see me post about it. Um, the there's 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 a stigma. Not only is there a stigma around that, but there's also not the same level of equity and benefits to people who are in non-monogamous relationships. Quite like, you know, not that long ago before uh, same-sex marriage was made legal um same-sex couples could not share the same benefit as heterosexual couples who were married and not long before that interracial couples right so yeah we we always we we have this like evolving sort of like oh look we are realizing that the the normative man-wife heterosexual pairing is not the only option but there's a whole lot of work and struggle in order to get this level of equity for the other other iterations. And I should say the original norm not the original normative, but the normative of uh, heterosexual and monogamous and same race because, uh, yes. uh, you know, that was dominant not- culture. Right, exactly. So so, for example, you know, we see, for example, um, there's there's protections in workplaces. Um, that get extended more for heterosexual couples than they do for same-sex couples or unmarried couples. Um, there's more um, you're seeing, for example, you know, at a bank, you want to get a loan to buy a house or something. You're seen as a, a, a lesser loan risk if you're married and if you're right. quote unquote straight married, let's put it that way, you know, the traditional yep. man, wife, combination uh man and woman you're seen as a lesser loan risk and more likely to get a loan than if you are a same-sex couple or you are unmarried right. um heaven forbid you walk in you know three of you as a throuple or four of you as, <laughs> as a polycule and say hey we all want to take out this loan by house together yeah that's not happening no. very unlikely so so there's no workplace protections you know, so a lot of uh, you know, we see more and more organizations who they say things like this goes against our religious values as business owners, and we can't have this person owner uh, working here, or we can reject you as a customer because we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. So now we have a case where more where people are again hiding who they are.
1: So right.
0: as a as a polyamorous person or a non-monogamous person, like you have to hide that this is aspects of my relationship and this is how I do relationship. This is how I do life because of all these stigmas attached and the judgments attached and the rejections attached uh, to that. And, and, you know, for us here on this podcast, anytime that you have to hide who you are uh, to be safe, that's an opportunity for some equity, some justice, some liberation, some all the above. Um, And, and Valentine's day just tends to highlight that, that disparity um, a whole lot. And
1: well, and I, I just, yeah. So I I just want to take a minute and even, you know, keep moving forward with the disparity and, and, you know, the rest of what we're talking about on uh, what's love got to do with it. But even the, um just the idea of how you find like what i was saying is like you'll find it naturally right and and it becomes this you know you realize that you're actually um you know doing it almost by braille right mean? that that well you're just sort of blinded like here's what my culture has told me how it goes And yet I discover that's not really how it's going. So I'm just looking for love is like surfing, you know, on waves, except you're blindfolded and the surfboard is on fire. And, you know, everybody's yelling at you, all these strategies of how to put the fire out of your surfboard, and then yelling at you all these strategies of to find love and how you go about doing it. And uh, they have no idea the, the waves that you're riding. They've never ridden those waves, but they're more than happy to tell you how to go about riding the waves. So it's just, um, you know, so, you know, yes, there's the, the polyamory and the ethical non-monogamy and, and, you know, a whole lot of relationship and ways of loving and being together beyond this, you know, our heteronormative, you know, heterosexual, you know, a man, a woman, you know, what, what dominant culture has said. And even once I recognize I'm not that I'm, there's still all this, okay. Uh, is it okay like wait how am I doing this wait my surfboard's on fire while I'm riding these you know Um, in any scenario there's there's that that dominant culture narrative of what never mind what the roles are in but just love itself
0: yeah yeah and 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 what we also have to remember is that like monogamy has not always been the norm um, right. In, in, in human cultures. In fact, there are still they're still so many other places, I would say more places that still practice as part of their culture, um, still practice and accept um, various forms of non-monogamy, whether it's uh, polygamy, you know, where a man can have multiple wives or partners, or polyandry, where the woman can have multiple husbands, those places uh, still exist as well. So it's in a sense monogamy is almost not the norm when you look at human history and and where humanity is is now but there are a lot of reasons uh both from a supremacy standpoint and from a capitalist standpoint where it's been pushed it's been pushed as the norm and the uprise in monogamy has you know we can tie it we can actually tie it more and more to to capitalism and the advent of the industrial revolution and all of that. And and so I should back up and say, no, it's been around longer before that. Yes, historians don't don't at me. I know what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is the <laughs> the the pressure, the pressure that's being placed on the exclusivity around monogamy is really being you can really trace that coming through the industrial revolution and the rise of capitalism and all those and all those things, Uh, because the more we had to work, the more time we spent working, the less time we had really for things like pleasure. Um, Please join us for pleasure activism, by the way, Um, (laughs) as we mentioned earlier, but the less time we had for that and the more pressure we put on our significant other to to Provide all the things that, right. that the that the whole village used to provide for us. Right. Um, if you've never read Maiden in Maiden in captivity by Esther Perel, please read it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great quote. She says, Today we have to give one person what an entire village used to provide: financial and emotional support, companionship, entertainment, friendship, familiarity, mystery, love, sex, the works. And this is why it's so hard. It is so hard to. Be in, or rather, let me rephrase that. I shouldn't say that's why it's so hard. That's why monogamous relationships um, are are a lot of pressure for folks sometimes, right. and and almost unsustainable. Uh, this is why a lot of people open up their relationships in order to to help share some of those roles with other people. um And it's been and it's been good for a lot of people who've opened up relationships. And for some, it hasn't. But again that's, you can, you can have that for any relationship. So, um, so, so the, the thing to remember, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that, or to ask, are you, where are you in broadening your, your acceptance of what we unfortunately call non-traditional forms of relationship and, um, invitation to go back to listen to the episode, I forget what number it was that we did on safe spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Because many times you may be in a spiritual community or a church or a workplace or whatever, and you have uh, congregants, you have attendees, participants, employees who do not feel safe because they know we're there to share that they are not in a traditional monogamous type relationship. I got to stop saying traditional. In a monogamous relationship, and or they're single, like, you know, the the stigma, shame and judgment that comes their way isn't isn't worth it. So yeah. so we got to check in with ourselves about how we feel about about these things um, and whether we want to keep participating in it or not.
1: Well, I think that, you know, uh, take following that thread of monogamy, what has, you know, historically been labeled as the norm right um you know asking um you know so what are what are the connotations what are the implications what are the thoughts that come up when you think you know and you hear the word monogamy and anybody that's listening i would ask that same question and what what you know whatever emerges i'm not i don't want to put a judgment on whatever someone you know what thoughts come alive, or, you know, when when you think about monogamy, and then the next question is, whatever my thought is about it, or whatever my, my critique of it is, um, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, like, why? Like, where does that come from? And right. and why is that? And how does that? Um, how does that serve me? Like, how does that make my life? You know, what is that that, you know, how, how is that given? My, how has it made my life easier, or how does it make my life easier, or you know, more comfortable? And then I would flip the question and say, "What's the price I've paid for holding on to the, a narrow view?" Um, yeah. What's the price I pay in my life by thinking that, you know, monogamy, particularly? the uh you know heteronormative the uh, you know and a man or a woman you know as that's the you know in a relationship till death do we part what's the price that i pay for that um and i think that's probably a harder question because um, an initial thing will go well i don't pay any price really um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, there's
0: there's a price being paid um, and some people are happily willing to pay that price um, and 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 some are some are not, but feel like they don't have another option. Now, your other option doesn't just have to be ethical non monogamy or you know, right. opening up your relationship or your marriage, you have other options, you have other ways to approach shifting, shift in the dynamic. And uh, one of those is uh, relationship anarchy, right? So, mm. So in a in a so the traditional relationship belief is that you know um, uh, that your romantic relationship uh, and your romantic partner um, they take whether whether you're monogamous or even non-monogamous your relationship partner your romantic partner takes priority over every other relationship and not only right. that but everybody should be in one and should want to be in right. one. right Right. so there's there's that like we we still look down and we've been mentioning this before we kind of look a lot of us we look strangely at people who say yeah i don't i don't want to date i don't want to be in a romantic relationship i don't want to get married i'm quite happy without those things and we think you know on our responses, who are you oh we're like
1: what you don't want to be married
0: exactly exactly we're gonna talk about more about marriage when we get the capitalism piece because that's the whole thing um and, well, and,
1: and it's the answers that as you move into the capitalism piece, it, that's also the price I pay. Yeah, by keeping this put little bubble, that, put,
0: a, put a pin in that. Right, that's
1: that. what I was. Yeah,
0: we. Neither, I figure between the
1: two of us, we'll remember.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, you are so optimistic. Um, <laughs> so, so other traditional relationship beliefs um, um, include that your romantic relationship should include a number of things, like exclusivity um formalizing this through things like marriage, cohabitation, co-parenting, sharing finances, um, that there's an expected and correct way to be in connection with others. So you know, like like physical touch should you know that's that's only only for only for your romantic partner um, and not friends or or anything. Uh, certain types of communication are, are restricted to your romantic partner and, and 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 no one else um and that and that if if for some reason your relationship ends it's a bad thing like this right. is cause for concern there's something to be embarrassed about um yeah it's that relationships also take sacrifice you remember you just said the call what is cost we have to pay right and and here's the thing there's this message is that how much we pay how much we sacrifice is a direct uh reflection on how much we love right right so so that's that's sort of like a lot of the un unspoken and spoken messages that we get around traditional relationship dynamics now relationship anarchy um sort of like upends that a little bit and it's this idea of we organize relationships on the basis of um voluntary cooperation so there's there's Mm -hmm. no it's the idea that you, that you customize your relationship without conforming to the expectations. So so there's, so there's no strict hierarchy. All your relationship types and people are, are important. And um, it doesn't mean that you don't you know, give more time or attention to one over the other, but you don't make the automatic assumption that it's your romantic partner or certain people who get that time and attention. We get to decide how important each, uh, each type of relationship is to us personally, and we give our attention and our time as such. Um, it's the people in the relationship who decide what right. it includes and what the commitment looks like, uh, and in all the ways, whether it's romantic or sexual, exclusivity is not just the key to a secure relationship. What were right. you going to say?
1: That, you know, that you're talking about the boundaries and commitment and all that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, with that you within yourself and those you're in relationship with, except, I mean, that's true. And when you do the, you know, traditional historical bride walks down the aisle meets the man at the end, and then you do these vows, everybody's listening. And now they're all holding you to a standard that you know, or a way of being, or here's the rules. You're being exclusive. This is you only share yeah. this with this person. Like, so it's not just you know, in that context. Yes, it is between me and and my beloved, my beloveds, so you know, whatever. But it's the the entire audience.
0: It is. It is. It is. Um, and 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 part of that is the that I mentioned earlier. The, the shoulds of the things, whereas yeah. relationship anarchy says there's no shoulds. We, we're going to make this what we want to make it. A great example of this is, you know, the prevailing belief that you are cohabitating with a significant other. Well, first of all, that you should cohabitate with, a, with your significant other. And like, that's the goal, right? You got to share space. And, you know, I ain't gonna lie. Things are so expensive in the world right now. Cost of rent. I mean, sure. Like, great idea. Um, Yeah, you know, I ain't mad at that idea. But one of the things is, is that if you don't, you've been dating this person or you've been in relationship with them for two years, five years, ten years, and you're not living together, there's this like idea that you're doing something wrong. Even if you're living together, and for example, not sleeping in the same room, right? Right. That's that's a huge thing. What do you mean, you guys are married and not sleeping in the same bed at night? What's happening? Is everything okay? Everything is okay. We can each have a good night's sleep now. I'm not. Yeah, sleeping... everything's great
1: because we're in different rooms. <laughs> exactly.
0: I'm not sleeping next to a lawn more snorer over here. Uh, right. You know, or uh, you know, as we get older and we got to make more frequent bathroom trips in the middle of the night. Like I'm not wake being woken up. I'm actually getting a good night's sleep because, listen, folks, I don't know if you ever lived with somebody, but if you don't get a good night's sleep, like repeatedly <laughs> night, like it all falls to shit right well
1: you, <laughs> yeah it's a different kind of relationship anarchy
0: <laughs> very well well played thank okay, you for that one that was that was well played that was well played but yes so so uh you know i re- i remembered when i was in a relationship with someone we were living together and we were not we didn't sleep in this uh, same same room um People thought, like, not people thought initially she wanted to keep it a secret. Like, we can't tell people that because they can think something's wrong with us. I'm like, oh no, first of all, I don't care. But second of all, the fact that it bears absolutely no relation on who we are as people. And again, let's not forget that good night sleep thing. That's so important, right? So whatever it takes to make your relationship work, as long as the people in the relationship are the ones who are set in the 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 standards or the practices right. and they're happy with them that's that's the most important not
1: what you think you should be doing well that's part of that the cost right you're yeah. sacrificing your own health really exactly
0: exactly um and one of the the other elements of relationship anarchy is that uh rather than basing your Uh, you know, your proof of love on how much you sacrifice and bend and compromise with the other person. It's more about maintaining your relationship with yourself and loving yourself,
1: each
0: person in the relationship, almost most of all, because then you're bringing your best selves to the relationship and communicating clearly and honesty and honestly around that. Um, as well. It's almost like you're making yourself the primary person in the relationship, each of you. Um, yeah. You know, we have this, I, you know, there's that narrative around, uh, you know, we got to find our other half. We're incomplete until we find our other half, as opposed to, yep. no, let me love myself into wholeness and find somebody else who's doing the same. I and mean, we bring two holes together um, right. and really, and, 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 and be healthy in that way. Um, and, and then there's there's also the idea around um, ending of relationships. And this is the thing that we often forget. Relationships are here to serve the people in them, not the other way around. And so often we give up so much of ourselves and what we know we love and want in order to maintain the relationship. As opposed right. to saying, you know what, this thing's run its course And that's not a bad thing. We've become clear that this is not working for us. So let's, let's walk away. Um, And, and it's, and we measure the quote unquote success of the relationship, not by its longevity, but by its quality uh, and and how the people in the relationship are, you know, feeling.
1: (laughs) Well, I think I, and, you know, as I'm listening to you, I also can imagine and this is my darker side you know imagine people there are likely people that potentially use uh some of these ideas as a as a just a way to get what I want
0: oh, without the, without can, the
1: degree of self-awareness and yes. emotional maturity um and you weaponize
0: and it, anything
1: yes yes that's true <laughs> yep yeah. um I just uh but as I'm listening to you in this you know relationship anarchy and and it is about like you have to be a grown up. Yes. Um yes. otherwise it's just sort of making more of a destruction path like leaving a trail of bodies behind you. E- exactly. And this is the great thing. So
0: this is a great thing about relationships in general is that when you're in a relationship um and this is a relationship with anyone on any kind of relationship whether it's a work relationship friend relationship family relationship but i find in my life experience more specifically a romantic relationship is that it will shine a spotlight on all the unhealed elements
1: yeah. yes of you
0: like yeah. like it will every every button will be pushed and then like if you are in a non-monogamous relationship and uh, and a polyamorous relationship and you have multiple partners, that's even more floodlights coming in. <laughs> right.
1: Well, you know, they say in 12 step, they've been saying for over a hundred years, you know, if you want to know your shortcomings and defects of character, get in a relationship. There, there you go.
0: There you go. So, so, um, so, so being in a relationship with multiple people is even more intensive, but, but that's, that's part of the beauty of it is that if you are up for it, and as you say, yeah. self-aware enough, you realize, Oh, Oh, it has provided me the opportunities to look at my stuff, look at the things yeah. I haven't looked at before, look at my wounds, look at where I still need to be healed, look at those embedded messages and beliefs I have around things that I never took the time to to examine. You can't do relationship well. You can't do any romantic, emotional relationship well, regardless of how many partners you have, if you don't do your own work. You don't do yeah. your inner work otherwise it is doomed to fail
1: well it's you know and we can let's go to the capitalism thing because i think it's you know that uh the you know our capitalistic culture actually supports us in not being self-aware
0: and not being single either
1: and not being single and not you know building emotional intelligence and not you know standing for what you believe and what you want and what you desire yeah right um
0: so so um our culture u.s culture especially we are obsessed with matrimonia that is the that is the overhyping of marriages relationships and weddings it is a 57 billion dollar a year industry that's with a b folks 57 billion billion dollar a year industry and um, not only does this result in both conscious and unconscious discrimination towards those who don't fit that marriage mold or want to get married, but it also in, uh, unconsciously forces people into marriage that they're not ready for or with yeah. people that they shouldn't be with. The marriage becomes the goal getting married becomes the goal so there's get married and then there's marriage marriage is what happens after you get married right yeah there's uh, a wedding and
1: then there's a marriage and then and then there's a marriage
0: and i think yeah. people think that the marriage begins and ends at the wedding um and no the marriage silly is only people <laughs> the, <laughs> the marriage is, they're not silly don't be that <laughs> way they're not silly the programming <laughs> runs deep. They don't, yes, I know. Right? They're, they're not. They're not aware of the programming that is running deep within them. Um, no. So, so there's this. this is, I remember. I remember when. I remember years ago. So this is like yeah, 24, 25 years ago. Twenty four years ago, because I got married in nineteen ninety nine. I got married yesterday, nineteen ninety nine, mm. February thirteenth. The wedding anniversary. For you, new listeners, my wife passed away uh, seven years ago. So so this particular time is is fairly charged for me uh, as a result. But I remember when we were looking for a for a wedding venue and we decided that we'd wanted to get married on Valentine's Day. I think I mostly suggested it so that I would have a constant reminder of our wedding anniversary. <laughs> so you that. wouldn't forget. I wouldn't forget. You know, exactly. <laughs> Kill two birds yeah. one stone. Anyways, but I remember we were looking at, you know, a lot of venues that people traditionally host weddings at, and they had been booked up for years and years in advance. Right. Not only that, but here's the thing that really got us. There were, there were people, especially brides-to-be, who had booked these places and did not have a fiancé. They were not engaged. They were still single. They probably they like, didn't even have a boyfriend. They, right. They, they were, they were still single and they were like, but this is the place I want to get married at. So I'm going to book a date four years in the future, five years in the future, because Mm -hmm. the wedding is the very important. That blew our minds. Like, and, and so, but then we realized that all these places were not only very available on the 13th, but off offered great discounts. And the prices were jacked up for the 14th. So we're like, 13th. This is as good a day as any. It's not about the right. day. Right. So we got married in the 13th, had a great wedding, saved a lot of money as a, <laughs> as a result. But, but because of the, the, the marketing around marriage and all these, there's oh, $57 billion. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of, there's a lot of pressure that that, that gets put, put on this and on people and, and stress on the wedding day and all this sort of stuff. Oh, by the, by the way, i almost don't want to admit this but my the only the only online dating show sorry streaming dating show that i watch is love is blind um mm. and it is it is the most beautiful train wreck of a dating show <laughs> that i've ever i've ever watched
1: it's such a train wreck i can't take my eyes off it
0: and 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 here's why here's why i love this show and i'll i'll, I'll, make, I'll make the point or what i'm saying uh Here's why I love this show because so the concepts if you've never heard of it it's on Netflix uh, you must have heard of it by now uh, there's three seasons here there's one in Japan there's one in Brazil like this Love Is Blind thing is taken off. basically when the individuals are dated, they are in this 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 massive like place and they don't see each other so they these pods these rooms where you can talk to people who are behind this like screen or wall, but you don't mm-hmm. see them. So the whole premise is we're taking like the, nor- the, the, the normal physical distractions off the right. picture and you get right. to, to know a person for who they are without right. the distraction of what they look like. Okay. Right. So basically you have people who believe they're falling in love simply by old school. We're having a conversation and we get to know each other. I am a romantic in heart. I love love, I love being in love, I love falling in love, arguably (laughs) fall in love too quickly. That's another show for another time. (laughs) But- I'm the same
1: way, (laughs) I'm a
0: four on the Enneagram. I mean, I'm cursed. (laughs) But that, that, I love that, that appeals to me so much. And then if they find somebody that they connect with, uh, you know, unfortunately it's very heteronormative. So there's just men and there's women and they're all straight and the man proposes the woman. And if she says yes, then they see each other for the first time. Mm. And then they go on a little like getaway honeymoon. Then they have to live with each other for a little bit. And then there's a wedding. And it's only at the wedding, at the altar, do they know, for the most part, if this person is going to stay with them and actually marry them or not. So everything is geared towards this wedding. Okay, that's just cruel. Hence the train wreck part. (laughs) Holy and, crap! And the most fun for me on the show is when they propose to each other. Right. I'm pretty much I'm pretty much like, I don't know, nine for ten in terms of these are these are the wrong numbers. But like 90 percent, I've been right in terms of here's this couple that's going to get married and last because you could see that it's a mess is coming and they discover the mess on their own when they live together. And then mostly it all falls apart. And the cynic in me loves it. So, like i'm like who yeah. thinks this is a good idea at all and so so i love the romanticism of it i love the train wreck aspect of it i mean i'm i'm, I'm a flawed human being i will admit all of that so i love the show but then this but the emphasis becomes on the wedding you know and yeah and and if it's gonna make or break the relationship it's a it's a whole mess of a show but but the the part of what you said earlier around the what do we what do we sacrifice um for this as well um and part of what we sacrifice not for getting married but for staying single and or being in less conventional types of couple arrangements um as i as i mentioned before we are we are ostracized And, and there are more and more studies that are being showed that like, you know, when the word gets out that we're non monogamous relationships, we're not, you know, people aren't promoted as much in their in their Mm -hmm. workplace. Um, And again, when you go into the bank and you want to co-sign with someone, they're not they're not gonna do it if you're single. They're not gonna do it if you're unmarried. You're not gonna do it if you've been with in a relationship with the same two people for the last 15 years. Like right. that's,
1: or even like adoption, healthcare. Yeah.
0: You know right. You don't have those same you have those same rights. So it's weird because we say we want stability, but then we judge the stability by the romantic arrangement, not by, you know the fact that you, these people have been together for 15, 15 years. Right. So we'll yeah. give, we'll give the couple who've been together, who've been married for a year. Sure. We'll give them a loan, but the, the three folk who've been together exclusively, just the three of them for the last 15 years. Yeah. We're going to look a bit suspect on them um, right. a, as well. So, so there's, so there's, there's that uh, piece of it
1: as well. You know, it's also the, um, it, and and this always I know you'll you'll set me straight based on what I'm about to say the the idea that um why do people care so much like why why do I care if you're you know polyamorous like how exactly does that impact my life or how does that make my life less okay or how does it take something for I don't why who cares so why can't we just learn to love (laughs) we love to
0: love we just have we just love to love certain ways um i think well i think it's that idea that of control and management of people and spaces right that we pick up that that we pick up from white supremacy this like we have to control what
1: other people are doing. you can't even control your own family you can't even I, control go I, I, go away I, 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 go home and control your own little world uh, when you've got that you know when you've ascended to right. god you let me know plus plus again it's
0: inextricably linked to the narrative of patriarchy which says it's it is a man and woman and the man is uh you know the superior to the woman and therefore should be the one who is the head of the household there's religious there's religious implications to this as well right so so a lot of a lot of that is what plays in into
1: this uh as well i know i just I know you it's know. just <laughs> let 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 people be who they are i mean imagine if people could really you know in being self-aware and caring for another like let people be who they are love how they are you know what what joy and pleasure is emerging from them i mean how much better would the world be if people if there was more of that floating around instead of trying to fix me or you know tell me um You know, or make more commercials about how this diamond from Zales is going to make everything okay, or the right chocolates, or let's go to you know restaurant this restaurant for this romantic dinner, and like that'll you know. Well, I'm going to make it up to you, and you know, I just I'm like, just leave fucking leave people alone to be happy to find their own joy. I know. So let me introduce you to another term (laughs) that I keep that.
0: Another term that I learned about recently, which kind of encapsulates what we're talking about here, romantic capitalism, right? Yeah. So, so this idea, monogamy culture is 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 really, you know, consumed with this idea about possessiveness um, mm-hmm. and 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 hoarding. So when you think about, is it, that person is mine, and I want all their love, I want all their affection. There's yep. there's there's a hoarding aspect to that, which which is which are the hallmarks of capitalism, right? This yes. is uh, capitalism is about hoarding of resources and hoarding of money and exploitation of labor and all the things, but but some of those aspects is is what we apply to
1: our conventionally monogamous relationships. Well, and the hoarding is like let's expand that a little bit. There's a hoarding of emotions, like I'm only supposed to share you know, particular emotions with particular people right. in a particular way in a relationship, exactly. and we all know the term, you know, you're having an emotional affair, yes. you know, if I'm, if I am, you know, processing through some some woundedness or hard time, you know, if I'm a woman married to a man, and I'm doing that processing with another man I'm having an emotional affair. Um, and uh and hoarding of the emotions hoarding of affection hoarding of you know touching hoarding of gifts like the hoarding is uh just is quite expansive our 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 skill and mastery at hoarding yes
0: and hoarding is based in scarcity consciousness yes right? it is it's, it's, it's the idea that there's not enough to go around that if i share my love and affection with someone else, that means there's less for me,
1: right? And, and also, time. What about time? Oh my time, god! time.
0: Yes, time is the big one. That there's less for me, and it shouldn't be that way. And then there's that fear that that person may leave me for this other yeah. person uh, because they are sharing their affection, they're sharing their time, they're sharing all these all these things. And to be clear, because of that messaging, when 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 we do this with other people, then we feel like, oh, I must be falling in love with them because I'm sharing my time and my affection and my emotions with them, maybe equal to or more than my partner or close to the same amount. Therefore, I must be in love with them. That's not what any of that means um, at at all. And and also the idea that love is somebody said this the other day, read this on a post and I loved it. Um, we forget that love is not a finite quantity, right? We treat it as such and we want to hoard it. To be clear, our, yes, our time and our emotional bandwidth and our personal resources, they are finite. I only have so much energy. I only have so many hours in the day, yada, yada, yada. But now we circle back to this whole relationship, anarchy versus traditional relationship roles, which again says, what is the message in that you believe? So you must believe or do you believe that most of your time, most of your emotional energy, most of your affection has to be directed to the primary romantic partner in your life? Why yeah. is that? I'm not saying that, hear me again, I'm not saying that it shouldn't, that you shouldn't do that. If you want to do that, great. But are you clear that you're doing that of your own free will? Are you doing it because of embedded programming? Right. And and part of how you know is if you find yourself wanted to do it with other people, and and you get this inner dialogue saying that's wrong. I shouldn't be doing this, or I shouldn't be saying this to this person, or I shouldn't be spending time with. this And person. if
1: the other person finds out, you're in a shitload of trouble.
0: Right. If if there's got to be hiding and secretiveness about it, yeah, then that's a sign to have a discussion around things. Okay, so so there's no again. I'm not saying should or shouldn't do. I'm saying treat treat every situation um, individually. Treat every situation from the prospect of are your needs being met, and if your needs are not being met, have a discussion with your partner and partners around that. Yeah, and realizing that there's a balance here. It's not their responsibility to meet your needs. However, if you are sharing life with them, um. Are they, is the relationship you're in with them nourishing you or depleting you? So there's a lot of multiple questions. Sorry, go ahead.
1: And well, going back to the needs thing, you know, are you talking about the needs? Um, Do they even know what your needs are?
0: Yeah. Have you communicated them? That's a biggie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If (laughs) you don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not all psychic. That would be nice. But, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm
0: still holding out for a mind reader partner, like.
1: Yeah. Okay. Nothing well, I, I don't hold your breath, but I'm. I'll. I'll hold that vision for you as well. <laughs> Thank you. It makes um, life so much easier.
0: Yeah. No although kidding. not.
1: Although not. Not I necessarily. Usually, <laughs> I, right. I usually have like fifteen <laughs> conflicting thoughts
0: in my head at the same time. So, maybe right. not. But so if much.
1: I'm not expressing my needs, right? If I'm not saying you know and whatever they are and i think we've also this is i think also part of the part of the the um you know dominant culture and patriarchy is there's what a need is mm. like i, I right right yes, and yes, and what i mean by sure. that is that it's not just time like maybe needing time but what about sexual needs yes. like we have this box that it's just one person right um and if i have a thought that i that i you know, need that, and not just from one person. I, well, I can't say that. Or That's wrong, right? Or if,
0: uh, for some whatever reason, the ability to sexually mm-hmm. perform shifts for one person,
1: right? right. Um, yes,
0: is there is there the opening for a discussion for the other person to have their needs met by someone sexually, right. And that be okay right Right. is is there room for that discussion or have you again decided that because of the unspoken rules around monogamy it has to be that person or nobody's having any fun
1: right yes so i i have a partner that is no longer able to um uh to you know to be in sexual relationship but if i'm married you know i'm supposed to go the rest of my life you know Right. In puritanical sainthood. Or and something. if you
0: decide and if you decide that, no, we're going to we are going to um, involve someone else or allow the, mm-hmm. the, the partner who has more, greater sexual needs to to find those needs and maintain our relationship and everyone's happy. We still want to keep it a secret. Right. Right. There's still, the weight the, of, of yes. the burden of carrying a secret because right. of the shame and stigma that is attached to it because of this mononormative culture. And right. and secrets destroy. Let's put it yes. that way. Even if you in are, every area of life, in every area of life, even if you are on the same page about keeping the secret, it's still going to fuck things up um, right. a lot. Um, so there's that. Here's another piece I wanted to bring into it is, you know, because of patriarchy, there's a different message that's sent and received around being single. So, for example, um, when you know it's valentine's day and and we're seeing more and more it's not a valentine's day thing per se but when women are single there's that running narrative that there's something wrong with them you know you're all your mm-hmm. your friends are like we gotta we gotta figure out what to do when men are single more and more the blame is also being placed on women and we we're seeing this rise of toxic masculinity blaming women for the man being single we're seeing this uh right. this this uh the incels the involuntary celibate culture is being propagated that there's uh that that women are not being open to providing men with their sexual needs it's a load of bullshit I've ever heard it uh, we, we see the we see the rise of these misogynists like Andrew Tate and other people who yeah so there's this there's this this culture in in in, in male circles um, and again speaking speaking generally heterosexual male circles around if men are not in romantic and or sexual partnerships it's the woman's fault it's women's fault um, that this is not- yes I
1: don't look the right way my body isn't shaped right I'm too intelligent I'm too old yeah. um I'm too like I I and I've I've been on the receiving end of that blatantly and I'm you know not like subtle like did they just say it? but straight out uh and that you know yeah. that wears on you after a while
0: oh I was, and it's dangerous
1: and I'm being it's- subtle with that one yeah it wears on you
0: and, and- and, and and it's dangerous and it's and we've seen cases of it becoming violent um yes as, as as well so um that's that's a you know that's another thing to be aware of what what is this what is the messaging that that men and boys are receiving right around around um around singlehood um yeah and and rejection and, and all those like, you know, normal parts of being an, a, an adult um, yeah. as well. And then there's a whole other conversation that be had around, you know, sex, sexuality, pornography, all the things.
1: Yeah, we can't cover them all today on Valentine's Day.
0: No, but definitely we're going to do a whole series in May. Now that we know the entire month of May is masturbation month. International International Masturbation, International yeah. Masturbation Month. We're gonna do a whole series. I'm, I'm declaring it now: a whole series around sexual liberation and sexual justice. Yes,
1: works for me. Um, There's a, uh, one of my favorite essays uh, by Audre Lorde is using the erotic as power. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, um, and, um, and let's... which is
1: part of this conversation, but it oh, also, so, but it's uh, one of my favorite uh, um, things she wrote
0: let's let's save cuz we were we might have been talking about uh, kink um, let's save that for me yeah. yeah 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 the freedom yep, yep. The, the 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 freedom the freedom in the kink space and i actually wrote about this in a blog post that as someone who's had to who's still on this journey of deconstructing the very warped messages around sex that i got from religion right. and patriarchy but mostly religion um, th- that I'm still unpacking to this day like I'm I'm freaking 48 years old and I left I left like traditional um evangelical type Christianity when I was I'd say 21 or 22 so basically half my life ago and I'm still unpacking
1: that nonsense right well I, I don't know that you've been unpacking it all those years though
0: well, let's let's put it let's put it this way. I thought I was. I thought yeah. I was, and I thought, and I thought, as I unpacked the religion and theology aspect of it, that this that the unpacking the sexual parts of it would automatically happen. Come to find out, they do not. I got to look at those. Right do, that's me. correct.
1: Church doesn't teach you about sex, honey. No,
0: no one. Oh, <laughs> mine did. Mine well, did. let me put it this way. Let me re, let me add a couple thank of adjectives you, in, yeah, in thank there. You, thank you.
1: <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so,
0: so, so to be unpacking all that and part of what really helped with the unpacking of that is, is kink and kink spaces and and kink partners. Um, It's been very liberating. Um, And again, it's one of those things where it's only weird and not normal if we don't talk about it. We're not doing enough talking about it talking about it also doesn't mean that i'm saying you should do it that's the other thing that we also have to keep saying uh
1: we're uh, we're gonna irritate to liberate
0: right irritate to liberate yeah we were actually having a meeting earlier today about like we got to come up with some slogans for swag that's that's i wrote it down there we go that's what we do so so
1: even even just saying the word kink i know people are listening they're kind of gonna go oh can can you talk some, about that? Or, you some know, people are some people are squirming. Well, it's just a, it's it's an instantaneous thing because it's our how we've yeah, been
0: socialized. Exactly. So. Oh, by the way, should we tell people, give people heads up about, uh, you know, we're going to have some very saucy discussions during pleasure activism?
1: Well, I I mentioned a couple of the topics. I did say mm-hmm. sex work to climate change, race, gender, drugs. But I didn't I didn't go further into some of the titles of the chapters. Oh, you know, um, so so like I'm I mean, happy to.
0: I'm just simply saying we're having this discussion now. May will be, we just told you what we'll cover in May. So this book will go into and with, and, and, and not in any veiled sort of way. No, no in, euphemisms. In, in nice, juicy detail, <laughs> pun intended, yep. nice, juicy detail yes. around yes. some sexual activities. Again, because we need to talk more about it. And have informed, educated conversation around it, and not just learn from porn. Because porn, while it has a place, and I think it has an important place, and can be in a healthy place, it does not teach us well. It's not a good teacher. Yeah. So, what are some of the titles in pleasure activism? Some
1: of the chapters. Well, it's some. You know, the one I mentioned. You know, Uh, uses uh, the erotic as power by Audre Lorde. There's um, about. the, so one of them is titled "The Spoilerific Gush on How Octavia Butler Turns Me On." Nice. Um, there's the one called "The Sweetness of Salt," which is practices of pleasure. There's um, uh, where's oh why we get off. Mm-hmm. So there's there's several essays that are that uh, so why we get off. You know, part of what's in that that essay is you know mentally, but um, also. Um, Uh, why we get off like, you know, uh, orgasm. Yeah, Yeah, sexually. And, and, and there's the, the question at the very beginning of the book is what if we made decisions in our life from a deep place of an orgasmic? Yes. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, that is interesting. Yeah, it's a great question. There's one. Uh, one of the titles is Pussy Power with Faviano Rodriguez. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah, so. Although I got to say, I got to
0: say much of the state of the world is because men in leadership positions have been making decisions from the orgasmic perspective, and it's not ended well. So maybe, maybe less orgasm-focused decision-making for men. Just want to put that out there.
1: OK fine with me um conversation with a sex toy um oh this is one of my favorites nipples are magic agreed agreed (laughs) agreed so uh yeah and talking about casual sex and um queer sex um nice drugs you know hallucinogenics um marijuana you know and and it's it's also not to um you know uh sex work pleasures of sex work Mm -hmm. and it's just really unpacking um and noticing you know our judgments it doesn't mean it's not an either or right Right. and it's just i can reach a place where i'm clear what what works for me what i want to participate in or not you know like i'm as a recovering addict i've done enough hallucinogenics marijuana drinking for multiple lifetimes So, and, and I also know the pleasure of it, right. I know, Mm -hmm. and too much of anything, you know, falls apart. Um, so like I can read that and like I, when she, you know, in the book talks about, you know, different drugs and the, you know, hallucinogenic or euphoria kind of thing. I totally get it. And I'm fully supportive and makes you happy and doesn't destroy your life. Okay. Um, there's, uh, but it's just, there's a lot of juicy topics and it's a, I, for me, it's a really good book. It's, it's the, it's called the politics of feeling good. Um, the subtitle, yeah. um, so it's pleasure activism, the politics of, I think that's what it is. The politics of feeling good. And I just really, I like the wording of that. Cause we think of politics as, uh, um, as something bad. We forget that the word politics is really about people. Yes. Um, yes. So,
0: yes, it is. Um, so, all that being said, in summary, in conclusion, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, love yourself first, <laughs> in in all the ways that looks like, whether uh, including uh, self pleasure. Um, yes, do come back in May for our masturbation month series. Uh, self pleasure, um, time and attention and intention to yourself and with yourself and for yourself and realizing that loving yourself most of all is kind of really the secret sauce to a relationship working well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to love yourself into a relationship, awesome. If you want to love yourself into singledom, awesome. If you want to love yourself into multiple partners, awesome. What is it that works well for you and Can you get clear about it beyond the messaging of our very uh, marriage-addicted, mononormative, heteronormative culture? Because those messages are strong. They're also subtle. They Mm. um, are, for many of us, our initial programming that's still running in the background. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's continue to do the work of of deconstructing those, decolonizing those, um, and really creating the framework that works for us. It's never too early to start. And most importantly, it's never too late to start either. So if you're living a life that you don't feel 100% liberated and fulfilled, yeah. It's never too late to start taking a look at that. And we're here to help. And we're here to help. So...
1: (laughs) As, we're as, here to irritate to liberate
0: irritate, irritate to liberate
1: <laughs> now we're here to um, love you up
0: we're we we're, we're here to do that we're here to provide safe space we're here to meet yeah. you without without judgment um yeah and and don't don't confuse our passion don't confuse our passion for judgment our passion is around really wanting people to experience a life of of liberation, a life fulfilled, a life free yeah. from those pressures of trying to meet expectations that that other people and society is placing on us, and placing them on us really uh, as an extension of more earnings for for them, not not for us. Long live capitalism! Um, so, oh. all right, I think that's it. Are we good? Are we are we are we ready to wrap? Yeah, up? for now for now for now so yeah. uh, um, please remember to share this episode and the podcast in general uh, with folks um, we're all we are on all your favorite podcast streaming platforms and again if you have that friend that doesn't know what a podcast is you can look us up on the old school interwebs at with love and justice for you can also head over to sanctus.com to get more information around all our offerings and our workshops. We are those save to date things we mentioned earlier, not up yet, but we're going we gonna to put them up. You heard about them here first. Um, so we're going to get those up in the next day or two, um, and you can start uh, registering uh, for those as well. So until we meet again,
1: let's get our holy on.